Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 188. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer news, products and opinions. We thank you for listening. We thank you for downloading. And you first-time listeners, we're glad you found us. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we take a look at the connected, smart, self-driving car of the future. Qantas to roll out high-speed Wi-Fi for passengers. The Samsung S7 and S7 Edge plans have been announced. Facebook's new reactions and the device that can completely recharge your phone in just 15 minutes. In the Tech Guide reviews, we check out the Nokia smart Bluetooth padlock and also take a look back at the technologies that are 30 years old in 2016. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide help desk, as we always do. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. So much to get through. Let's jump straight in. Well, at last week's Mobile World Congress, it wasn't all about smartphones and networks. It was also, I did happen to stumble upon a stand by uh, from a company called Harman. That's H-A-R-M-A-N, not the audio brand. This is Harman Connected Technologies. Now, I can understand the reason why they are were, why they were at Mobile World Congress was, was because of the, the connectivity that your smartphone brings to your car, the connectivity that we all enjoy on various devices. One of them is the car. Now, there's been a lot of talk and a, a lot of examples of self-driving cars, smart cars, and connected cars. Well, at Mobile World Congress on the Harman stand, I got a chance to see all three, a connected, smart, self-driving car of the future. This was a concept vehicle, of course, and it was on the stand at Mobile World Congress. And the car itself looked like any other car, but inside it was really interesting. There was a massive display in the middle, and I've got a video on Tech Guide for anyone who wants to check it out. And the steering wheel alternated from the left to the right side of the car. So potentially you could get in the car and you could say, if, if you're the designated driver and you're sitting on the left-hand side of the car, then the steering wheel will come to you. Maybe you, you don't want to drive it or you can pass it over to the right-hand side of the car and the person in the right-hand side, the right seat, will drive as well. But what about if neither of you want to drive, then the car would take over, the steering wheel then folds away uh, out behind the screen so it's out of the way, and it will drive itself. Now, that's remarkable in itself and potentially what we're going to be seeing in the near future. But this is also a smart car and a connected car. And what Harman is all about, their connected technologies are all about gathering people like TomTom in their GPS 
Parkopedia with their parking service, AccuWeather. All these companies have, have been brought together by Harman to offer this connected service for the head unit of your next car. So Harman would get this technology and potentially sell it to Mercedes-Benz or Holden or Ford or BMW or Volkswagen, whichever car maker will take it. So what the smarts of the car provide was really interesting. Now, the, con- the connectivity is there. But the, the application of that connectivity and the organization within the car was also impressive. Now, you've got to remember, this is a potentially a self-driving car. So what this car can do is grab, say, your calendar for the day. And it will see you've got appointments all over town. And it will not only then give you instructions and guidance on where you need to drive if you want to drive yourself. If not, the car will drive you to those destinations. But the Parkopedia section of the connected of the connected head unit will also then organise all your parking, whether it's booking a spot next to your appointment or finding a spot in the street and, and intelligently parking you into it. It can plan ahead and give you all that detail, all without you having to worry about it. The car takes care of the journey. This is the future. That that, that Parkopedia section of the head unit. Uh, can pre-book parking spots, see real-time parking availability. It has intelligence in more than 50 cities in 30 countries, so it is coming to a system near you. can also give you up-to-the-minute weather using AccuWeather, so you're getting real-time, minute-by-minute weather updates. This is a connected system. It's only just around the corner. A really interesting application in all the technologies that we know, the smarts, the connectivity, the autonomous driving, and all put into one. If you want to check out that story, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Well, news last week from Qantas, they made an interesting announcement that they will be providing high-speed Wi-Fi connectivity to all passengers from next year. And the best thing about it is it will be free. They're going to kick off in-flight trials later this year and especially retrofitted Qantas Boeing 737. They're going to install modems and advanced antennas on the plane so it can receive the satellite signal from the NBN satellite that's now currently in orbit. It's in orbit over Australia, so it's going to apply to domestic flights first. So the testing will see uh, the signal tested, all that equipment tested, speeds on board, they're saying, are going to be up to 20 megabits per second Per customer, so per passenger, you're going to be seeing speeds that high. And that's fast enough to stream TV shows, movie shows. So imagine on a flight, a domestic flight to begin with, you can stream your favorite TV show, your favorite movies. It'll all come to each passenger at that speed. Once the testing's done, the the service will then roll out across the domestic fleet, which is made up of A330s and 737s from early 2017. So within... Uh, just say, let's say over a year, this hopefully this system will be tested and in place, ready for passengers to want to use that internet connection to browse the web, their their emails, check Facebook, and stream their TV and movie shows. Now, I don't know how all of you feel about this. The plane, the aeroplane, in ninety nine point nine percent of cases, is a place where there is no internet. It's a it's a rest from the internet. So I think a lot of people are thinking, wow, that's going to be cool. 
But some other people, I think, are going to be thinking, well, now I'm, people are going to be able to reach me. Uh, the the, the three-hour flight or whatever the, the length of the flight was their little break from having to answer emails, receive emails, and do any kind of work, any connected work anyway. So I think there's going to be some mixed feelings here. Well, not everyone has to use the internet. But the fact that it's going to be there may force people, especially business travellers, they may think, well, forget watching the, the latest episode uh, of my favourite TV show. I'm going to have to check my emails and do some work. So there is an upside. There may be potentially a downside too. I'd like to see it on international flights where you've got plenty of time. Imagine a 14-hour flight to LA or Dubai or wherever you're going and you having access to the internet to stream TV shows, stream movies. That would be cool. Domestic not so bad. Domestic, the, the international flights, that would be really, really interesting. If you want to read more about that story and the details of that connection, you can do that. Techguide.com.au. Well, some of the biggest news out of Barcelona last week was the announcement of the Galaxy S7 from Samsung and the S7 Edge. Now, these two phones are having iPhone-like popularity. So many people interested. The launch date has been announced. March 11 is the date where the Galaxy S7 and the S7 Edge are going to go on sale to the customers. And pre-orders have already begun. They began back on uh, February 26th. And with every pre-order, people receive a free Galaxy VR headset as a bonus. And what, of course, what we come to expect and what we have seen is the fact that all the, tel- the telcos, your Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, and Virgin Mobile have released their plans. Really interesting plans as well. And what we've done on TechGuide, we've gone through the value propositions, so that the 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 best value that we've come to find, like our plan. A plan that we would consider wouldn't have less than six gigabytes a month data. That might sound like a lot, but I think if you're the type of user who's going to buy an S7 or an S7 Edge, I'd call you a high-end user who would want to have plenty of data because this thing, it has uh, it has a beautiful screen and it's got 4G, 4G connectivity. So you're going to be able to access data really quickly, enjoy content on those great screens, those super AMOLED screens. So you're going to want a decent amount of data. I've looked through each of them. Telstra has a 95-a-month plan over 24 months. They get you 7 gig of data. Uh, the S7 Edge, you're looking at $105 over 24 months for that same 7 gig. Moving over to Optus, I think Optus is probably the more aggressive of the telcos with their plans. The S7, 85 a month over 24 months, and that gives you 8 gig of data, which includes a 2 gig bonus data if you sign up. S7, 77 a month over 24 months, and you get 6 gig of data. So, uh, sorry, no, no, 8 gig with, with uh, Optus as well, 92 a month and 8 gig of data that includes the 2 gig bonus. So that's 8 gig, uh, $85 for the S7, 92, 8 gig for the S7 Edge on Optus. I misread that. I was looking at Vodafone instead, which I'll talk about now. The S7, 77 a month over 24 months. That gets you 6 gig of data. Pretty good. Uh, for If you want the S7 Edge on Vodafone, it's $90 a month. It was lowered from 97, I should add. 90 a month over 24 months for 6 gig. Not a bad deal either. Virgin Mobile, you're looking at 85 a month over 24 
24 months. That gets you 6 gig. Virgin Mobile, of course, uh, uses the Optus network and the Galaxy S7 Edge on uh, on Virgin Mobile. 91 a month with 6 gig of data, which isn't too bad. Now, I've put those on Tech Guide. I've also put links to all of the telco pages so you can see every single plan. You may want something higher. You may want something cheaper. And you may want to even buy them outright. The pricing outright is $1,149 for the Galaxy S7, $1,249 for the Galaxy S7 Edge, which has a slightly bigger screen, 5.5-inch screen, 5.2-inch screen on the Galaxy S7. I have done a hands-on of the two devices, the S7 and the S7 Edge. You can read about that. You can also read about all those plans I just spoke about at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, weren't we all surprised late last week when Facebook changed? Facebook, up until now, only gives people the opportunity, the option of liking a status. But you know what? In the past, and I've found this myself, liking something isn't always appropriate. Uh, There have been times where, I'll give you an example, where a friend of mine on Facebook has maybe announced the the death of a relative um, and expressing their sorrow. So hitting the like button on that didn't quite feel right to me. A lot of people did because it's their their kind of reinforcement. So, yeah, you know, we, we hear, we, we feel for you. That's the only option we had up until now. For me, hitting like on that kind of status, I wasn't really comfortable with that. So what Facebook has done is they've changed that. So rather than you just having a like option, they've introduced something called reactions. Now, this not only gives you the like option, but there's other options as well. Like there's a heart that means I love that. There's also a, a laughing emoji, which is like for ha-ha, if something's funny. There's also an emoji with a wide open mouth and, and raised eyebrows, which is like, wow. There's also a, a, a sad emoji with a teardrop that's sad. And there's also a, uh, an emoji that's looking pretty angry, and that's, of course, angry. So what Mark Zuckerberg announced was for a long time, People were sharing something that isn't that, that, that may be sad or frustrating, and rather than providing a dislike button, which is what a lot of people called for, and dislike I, can't, I think was construed by Facebook themselves possibly as a form of bullying. Imagine disliking someone's post. It's a bit of a uh, it, it's not a very pleasant thing to see on your status. So rather than having that situation, the uh, the geniuses at Facebook, Zuckerberg included, decided to have this new reaction. So you got like, you got love. Just hold the like button and the uh, reactions then pop up on the screen. If you're on a browser on a computer, uh, you can then just hover your mouse over the like button and those reactions will appear. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, no, mine, mine's not working on my phone. Check check to see that if uh, you may have an update. That update will then allow that those reactions to happen. But uh, it should be rolled out to just about everyone by now. It's been nearly a week since it was announced and implemented. So Facebook reactions, you can do more than just like. If you want to read more about that and actually see those emojis I was talking about, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Have you got Netflix? If you do, you need to get a Netgear Nighthawk X4S modem router and take your gaming, your movies, and your streaming to the next level this summer. 
with MUMIMO, that's multi-user, multiple input, multiple output, and quad stream technology, you'll enjoy faster speeds, reduced buffering and lag, and simultaneous streaming to all your devices. So there's less waiting for your favorite movies to load. And with increased range from four high-powered antennas and amplifiers to increase coverage, dependability, and performance, you can enjoy smooth streaming all summer long. Visit netgear.com.au to learn more. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Okay, another story that came out of Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. I am now back in Australia, by the way. Uh, there was a story from Oppo. Now, Oppo is a, a, a Chinese company that have entered the mobile phone space. They, they do make smartphones nowadays. But a very interesting announcement was of a new battery pack, this new method of charging, Oppo's Super VOOC flash charge technology. What is so special about this, I hear you ask? Well, this technology can fill an average smartphone's battery. That's about 2,500 milliamp hours. So if you've got like an iPhone 6 or an S6, something about that size, it can fill that battery in just 15 minutes. Imagine that. 15 minutes you can be fully charged. This is what Oppo has announced. This breakthrough from Oppo, it was introduced, first introduced flash charge in 2014, and that would add an extra couple of hours of talk time to your device with just five minutes of charging. But now with the VOOC flash charge technology, it can give users an additional 10 hours of technology, even if you just connect it for that same five-minute period. So how does it achieve this? Super VOOC uses low voltage, a five-volt low-voltage pulse charge algorithm. It's a special algorithm that keeps the battery's temperature low while it's charging so it can safely regulate the current to the phone and to the bat- through the battery faster than ever before. So keeping that, that temperature low helps that. The, all that algorithm works with a customized super battery. So imagine this technology rolling out to every smartphone. So new adapter, connector, that all makes the equation to have this premium, this fast charging opportunity. Now, Oppo, of course, would like every smartphone in the world to offer their batteries. It'll no doubt be, be first offered on their own own devices. So imagine when it is included on all of them. It uses a USB-C interface, the new, the latest USB-C, and that low temperature charging algorithm means that the smartphone can also be used while the battery is being charged. 15-minute charge, it would absolutely change the way we use our phones. How many times have you think, oh, I'm going out soon, I've only got 20 minutes, I'm on 5%. Uh, what hope have I got here? Right, you've got to probably take your portable battery or charge it in your car, find a PowerPoint somewhere wherever you're going. It's an inconvenience. Now imagine banging that charger 15 minutes, connecting that, that cable into the battery. 15 minutes later, you're 100% and ready to go. That would solve a lot of problems. It would sell like hotcakes once it is released. Oppo's VOOC, Super VOOC Flash Charge. You want to see some pictures and read my full story? You can check it out, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Our review this week is of a smart Bluetooth padlock called Noki. 
Now, it's called no-key, I think, because when you say it a little bit slower, no-key, that's exactly what you don't need, a key. No-key for the smart Bluetooth padlock. Now, we use padlocks quite often. We're securing a gate, maybe securing our bike, maybe securing our property, securing all kinds of things. And what does a padlock normally require? A key. And you've got to remember which key goes to which padlock. You've got to have them with you. If someone wants to get into your property or you, you're somewhere and you don't have the key, it is a big hassle. Well, the Nokia Smart Bluetooth Padlock has solved that problem because, as I mentioned, there is Bluetooth on board. So you can pair the padlock to your phone through the companion app and then you can even name all of your locks to give you an indication of where they are so you might have one saying front gate back gate shed whatever bike you got all these you can assign plenty of uh, no, no no key padlocks to the app uh, connect them all pair them all up and all you need to do to open them is simply Give it a little click on the shackle, and then in the app, a little word, the word unlock appears next to that corresponding lock, and you simply just press that unlock key, touch that on the app, and away it goes. It opens right up for you. Now, you can also set a, a smart click as well. So the, uh, the quick click, I should say, that allows you to set like a little Morse code on, on the shackle as well. So say you turn up and you don't have your phone or it's run out of battery, you can use the quick click combination. So short, long dashes, got a little bit like Morse code. You, it gives you a chance to set your own quick click combination. You can then r- run that combination through and bang, it'll open without the use of your smartphone. The other way you can open it without your smartphone is if you buy a separate fob so there's a small bluetooth fob kind of like opening your car with your remote control you get the fob close enough and it'll open up or press a button on the fob and it'll open up just like it would with uh, your car door so uh, the the advantage of this is you're not carrying around keys you don't have to remember combinations it is built to go anywhere by the way so it's, it's boron hardened shackle so it's sturdy enough to secure anything chains whatever you like built to go anywhere can be used in any weather conditions it's watertight with o-rings it'll keep water mud all out of the electronics so you can use it like any other padlock now the other advantage is that you can grant access to the Nokia padlock to other people. So through the app, you can assign permissions for other users. Say someone, uh, you know, someone's coming to your house, or you want to let someone in through your property, or whatever you want to do. You can allow people, so you, you can assign who can access the lock, when they can access the lock, and which lock they can access, a so location as well. And on top of all that, you see a history of all the locks and unlocks of every padlock. So you can you can say, well, what time did I arrive on Saturday? You unlock the gate. Boom, there it is in your history. You can also see a location history as well. So you can see where on a map all the uh, the no-key padlocks were unlocked. Now imagine at an enterprise level or business level, company level, where there's lots of padlocks, rather than carrying around all these keys, waiting for someone to drop a key off, or you've forgotten it, or you've got to drop a key to someone, it is a really, really easy system to use. Now it's run by a traditional 2032 watch battery. So that battery will last for up to a year before it needs changing. Now, the question I asked was, what happens if you turn up at the at the lock and the battery's already dead? How do you open the thing? Well, you can do what they call a jump start. So if you grab your replacement battery, so the replacement 2032, and, and, uh, and uh, 
put it against, press it against the contact points on the bottom of the lock, that will actually give the lock enough power for you to operate it through the app and open it as you normally would. And that while you're doing that, you can then also pop open the back, put in that new battery, and you're away. So the no-key padlock, really interesting use of the technology. The padlock has entered the 21st century. It's available now priced at $69.99. There's also a cable and bike mount that's available for $39.99. And also that no-key fob I mentioned is also priced at $24.99. So imagine the convenience this is going to offer. If you do have a lot of padlocks, you may have one on your bike, you may have one on your gate. This is a really quick and easy way to open it. If you want to check out my review, you can do it at techguide.com.au. Now, we decided to take a little walk down the memory lane and wanted to see the technologies that are turning 30 years old in 2016. So that means they were first announced back in 1986. Yes, it's 30 years, can you believe, since 1986. Wow, where has the time gone? Well, 86 was a big year in technology. A lot of new devices, a lot of new applications, software, uh, and even some events that shaped the way we use our technology today, 30 years later, in 2016. Now, 86, let me paint the picture. 1986 was the year that we saw the Space Shuttle Challenger explode 73 seconds after launch. It was also the year we were keeping an eye out for Halley's Comet. Can you remember that? Trying to see up into the sky, the smear in the sky. A lot of people didn't see it, and we probably won't be alive for the next time it comes around. That was also the year of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. You remember that, that whole that meltdown that just cleared that entire area. And also, Mike Tyson became the youngest world heavyweight boxing champion. But in the technology field, we also saw lots of new advancements, lots of new products, the first of which was the first laptop computer. Now, IBM released their first portable computer, their portable PC, and it had twin floppy drives. It had a monochrome LCD screen. It had a generous 256 kilobits of RAM and those dual 3.5-inch floppy disks I mentioned, and it weighed 5.8 kilos. So haven't laptops come a long way? Also released in 1986 was the Intel 386 processor, which has formed the foundation of the processors in use in today's speedy computers. That was the year, 1986, 30 years ago, that Apple introduced the Macintosh Plus. Now, the original Macintosh came out a couple of years earlier. This was the third Macintosh model in the range. had a 9.5-inch monochrome screen one meg of RAM, which at the time was considered a massive amount of RAM, and also had a 3.5-inch double-sided floppy drive as well. And you know what? At the time, in 1986, so 30 years ago, this cost $2,599 US dollars. So let's call that $3,000 in Australian money. That's 30 years ago. That's the equivalent of being like about $12,000 today. Incredible. 1986, it was 30 years ago as well that we saw the first computer virus. The first virus program called Brain infected an IBM PC. And that started this battle against hackers to keep our computers safe and clean. It's a battle that is still raging on. 
1986, 30 years ago, was also when Microsoft sold their first shares to the public. If you could go back in time, you could have bought a share for $25.75. That's US dollars. And that initial public offering raised $61 million, which at the time was a mozza. Today, a Microsoft share is worth $51.32, so it's just over doubled. And the company is worth now a, a massive $290 billion. 30 years ago, we also saw the first disposable camera. Who remembers the disposable camera today? Of course, we've got our phones, digital cameras, the whole bit. But back in 1986, 30 years ago, we still had film. Film cameras were still the rage, all the rage. They ruled. But if you couldn't afford a camera or if you forgot your camera, here was a great solution where Fuji built into this little portable camera not only a little lens, little flash, little viewfinder, but also a roll of film. So when you're done, you just put that in to, pre- to be processed and then buy a new one or use a, a normal film camera the next time around. It was at, at the time a breakthrough. Today, we're laughing at that technology because we can just simply pull out our smartphones and take as many photos as you want. No need to go to the chemist to get them processed either. 1986 was also the year 30 years ago, would you believe, Adobe introduces Illustrator. All you graphic designers out there, Illustrator is probably your bread and butter program, was first created for the Apple Mac in December 86 and began as a graphic design and font and logo development tool. Now today, I think it's one of those indispensable programs for photographers and editors, graphic designers, all of those people. That, my friends, is 30 years ago. The technologies that we introduced 30 years ago, and you can read all about them at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is also sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Today, we live in a world where cyber criminals are working overtime trying to find new ways to steal your information. That first virus appeared 30 years ago, remember? They're still at it. The team at Norton is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet, or banking on your laptop, Norton's latest internet security solution, Norton Security Premium, is working behind the scenes to keep your information your identity and your devices protected. It also comes with secure PC cloud backup so you can back up and save your personal files, photos and videos and all your other memories that live on your devices. For more information about Norton Security Premium and how to protect your online life just like we do here, check out au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk today, we're going to be talking about a little issue that people have with uh, losing data or using data and the fact that apps running in the background accounts for 30% of mobile data used. That means that $1 out of every three we spend, that data we don't see. It's happening in the background. Facebook is using it. Snap, Snapchat's using all these applications in the program, updating themselves. So when you're ready to hit the button, then you've got the latest information there. So it's not really data you're seeing. It's running in the background. So when you're not using apps like fetching mail and updating feeds, pre-fetching news stories, that's what they do, and ads that we might not even see, 
it's happening in the background. So it's there whether you want to see it or not. So if, if your Facebook is updated, for example, or all your emails have updated and you don't even bother to look at it until you're in a Wi-Fi network, then that was a waste of data to get it ready for you. So there is a solution, though, to the problem. There, I've, I've said for a long time, a lot of people have asked me, how do I save on data? Save the battery as well. This saves battery. You can turn off your background data which is might sound simple, doesn't work all the time. There are a lot of apps that get around that that are updated in the background anyway. Worst culprits, uh, according to Opera Max, which is a new Android app that helps you protect your data, stops that background update, stops that wastage. It's a third of our data. So the worst culprits, according to Opera Max Android app, are Facebook Messenger, Gmail, closely followed by Google Drive and WhatsApp. Now, these run in the background, but they can be prevented. If you're an Android user, this won't work with iPhone, but iPhone does have very good settings where you can lock down background data in the settings themselves. Not so easy on Android, which is why an app like Opera Max is really important. So what it does, it offers smart alerts so you can help manage your background data, and it also provides tips on how you should prevent data, your apps being chewed up even further, with your, uh, chewing up your data even further. So what happens, you can then select the apps you want to do. So uh, when, when an app's starting to detect uh, background data, the app then sends you an alert. So when you've had 10 meg per week or higher, it'll send you an alert. It'll also You'll also receive a pop-up when Op Opera Max detects heavy background data. So rapidly uh, downloading data in the background, you'll get an immediate notification and be able to shut that app down. You can instantly block apps using data in the background. Now, Opera Max for Android works now. It's available now and it runs on Android phones running Android 5.0 and Android 6.0. So the two most recent operating systems on Android. If you are an Android user and you are concerned about the amount of data that's leaking out of the back, that's being used in the background, 30% according to the stats, that's a third of your data out the back door without you even seeing it. This is the way to prevent it. If you want to check out our story, you can do that. It's at techguide.com.au. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about on the show at, uh, at my website, techguide.com.au. We'd also love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us. You can either send me a tweet uh, at Stephen Fennick, and that's Stephen spelled with a PH, or you can email me info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and our friends Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family and your devices safe online thanks for listening it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us once again we hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again next week so until then stay safe and stay connected